Hey everybody, welcome to Chasing Phantom, the podcast about Broadway's longest running productions. I'm David Timberline and I'm your host and thanks for tuning in to our very first episode. I'm very glad you're here. On this podcast, I'll be giving you fun facts, anecdotes, and history about all of the productions that have reached the milestone of having more than a thousand performances on Broadway. There's more than 120 productions that meet that criteria, and they span from the peppiest of musicals to the most bizarrely antiquated plays. I'll be counting down from number 122 on the list to the show at the top of the heap, Phantom of the Opera. The show that, as I'm recording this, is set to close after over 35 years in continuous production. We have a lot of ground to cover, so I won't be lingering too long on the details of any one show, but I will give you a taste of why it was so popular. I'll be getting a lot of the material for each episode from my website, ChasingPhantom.net, which you should check out because you'll find pictures, videos, and links to additional information about each production. I'll have a guest on each episode, and boy, did I get lucky with this first one. The production I'll be talking about today is Newsies, the Disney musical that opened on Broadway in 2012. I think you'll enjoy my conversation with Newsy superfan and theater scholar, Dr. Caroline Wiest. So let's get to it. I'm David Timberline, and I'm here with Dr. Caroline Wiest. She is an associate professor of German studies at the illustrious University of <laughs> Richmond in Virginia. Her areas of expertise are performance in and of German language literature and theater performance studies and disability studies. Thanks for being on the show, Caroline. Thanks for inviting me, Dave. I really appreciate it. This is our first show, so we're, we're working this out together. Wait, this is the first one? Yeah, ever? Ever. <laughs> well, no pressure. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> I invited you here because I hear you're a little bit of a Newsies fan, and that is the show that we're going to be talking about today. Yes, I am. Yeah? Where, what is your experience with Newsies? Have you seen the live theater production? Well, uh, I have to make a confession. Yeah? Uh, I am more of a Newsies the movie fan. Okay. I have been since it came out. went to go see it in the theater mm-hmm. with my mother, who's also a big fan of musicals. I don't think she connected with Newsies quite the way I did. But we went. I remember they had sort of... Um, uh, souvenir ephemera, like they had a oh, really? newspaper printed up that was thematic to the movie, wow. and you know, big cutouts in the uh, lobby and stuff. So I remember that very clearly, and I just realized that people still like Newsies. I coach synchronized swimming, and every every now and then somebody wants to watch that as sort of the team movie really? that we watch when we're at a meet. Yeah, in wow. you know, the hotel. It's interesting how it's kind of carried over and been a bit of a cult classic. But I only watched the recorded theater version. Okay. I mean, that's how most people will experience Newsies. The show opened in 2012, so nobody's watching it live on Broadway anymore. And I think uh, it's going to be interesting to get your perspective on the difference. I'm, I've seen the movie, but it's been years. And oh, so uh, we're sort of inverse. Yeah, a little bit. Right. Yeah. So I'll be very interested to hear your perspective on the movie version versus the filmed stage version, which, as I told you, to purist, that's not actually seeing the stage version, but it's the closest we can come. There's change coming once and for all. You makes the front page and man you is major. So I'm going to give you what I have put on my website, ChasingPhantom.net, a little background on Newsies that ran on Broadway from March 2012 to August 2014. It ran 1,004 performances. It just made it over that line of 1,000 performances, puts it in that special echelon. 
It won two Tony Awards when it came out uh, for Best Choreography and Best Original Score. I'm not going to be able to give this for most shows, but because it's relatively recent and because it was a Disney musical, I can tell you that the box office during its 1,004 performances was about $109 million, or $119 million in current currency. And just to give you one quick fun fact, also related to the economics. It was the fastest of any Disney musical on Broadway to turn a profit. The company's initial $5 million investment was recouped in just seven months. So that's pretty unusual. Not bad. Yeah. I'm doing all right for myself, folks. I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, I'm wise. My investments and such have all gone up so much. Seems whatever I touch... So for, for serious Broadway nerds, Newsies marks the most recent high-profile credit for a guy named Jeff Calhoun. Does that resonate with you anywhere? I read a little bit about him after oh, I saw okay. it on your website. That's great. Uh, yeah, he's got his fingers in a little bit of everything in yeah. musical theater history, it seems. He is a choreographer-director who will show up several times on this uh, Over a Thousand Productions list. Uh, he won a Best Choreography Tony for the 1994 production of Grease, which is number 65 on the longest-running list. And he will get name-checked in the next entry in this series, which is Big River, which I'll be covering on our next episode. And because he was so dance-centric, there's uh, tap dancing that happens on the tables during this production. And when they did not project into the audience for the live production, he put mics under the tables so they would get out to people so they could fully feel that. Smart man. (laughs) That's right. Newsies had a convoluted journey to the stage, starting out as a film, as we've discussed, starring a plucky rising star, (laughs) our old friend Christian Bale. He was only 17. I know. I know. I have to also admit that that's part of the reason I liked Newsies so much when I was a kid. Yeah, I can imagine. Disney was hoping to revive the old-time family musical. They were trying to create something like the next Oliver. Uh, But this David and Goliath story was a little muddled. The movie was released in 1992. The film bombed, earning less than $3 million at the box office, even with top-flight Disney finance talent like Alan Menken providing the music. Uh, Menken's longtime collaborator, Howard Ashman, was dying with AIDS at the time and was not involved. So that's kind of surprising to me that it had all that merch and everything. Uh, yeah, but... I think they tried real hard, and I certainly did my part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Disney appreciates it. <laughs> it's also interesting that it's a cult classic to, to many people, you included. Mm-hmm. To me, the awkwardness of a musical about child labor is particularly pronounced in the film version. Oliver was about preteen criminals, but it was also about love and redemption. Newsies is explicitly about the conflict between unionization and the free market. Uh, And the story's resolution involves kind of a both sides win deal. Uh, It may be politically instructive, but it's, to me, dramatically unsatisfying. Along the way, Teddy Roosevelt gets called a socialist. Uh, Our main guy, Jack, proclaims it's no sin to be poor, but the story doesn't really want to delve into class warfare. Corporate overlord Disney may have been happy with a see-we-can-all-get-along message, but without Les Mis-style conflict, the show whimpers to a close, running on the feeble fumes of compromise. Again, just my opinion. What do you think about that? (laughs) It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. In terms of the plot, I think that that's... For me, it's much more satisfying in the film version than it was in the musical. Okay. Yeah. Um, you, I don't want to steal your thunder, but a little bit. Some of the subplots are a little convoluted yeah. in the musical version, and sure. I didn't quite understand that. And I, they took away some of the subplots that I thought developed the characters in the movie and made me more interested in what they had to say and why they were fighting and and why they were a community. They took away for me a lot of the communal aspect of the news is that united them as a class. Okay. Against Pulitzer. 
in a way that, yeah, the movie seemed more excited about dancing, or dancing. the musical seemed more excited <laughs> about dancing, which yeah. is fine. Dancing is great, and right. I love it. It just, uh, yeah, I felt I felt kind of opposite about the ending, too. It seemed very specific in the musical version. Really? Yeah, and in the movie they just say, we beat him, and then it's over, and everyone celebrates. So he was just, it's <laughs> right. assumed that they he rolled the price back down, right? and, you know, life can go on. Okay. Whereas it was a lot more fine-tuned in the musical. Yeah, well, and I, you know, to be clear, I am not a huge fan of the stage musical, <laughs> yeah. as seem, is, I hope is clear at this point. <laughs> but, wow, look at all that dancing, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. <laughs> um, and the, the little bonus dancing at the end is not even part of the show. Yeah. The filmed version. Was, I, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where Disney said, let's make something that's going to appeal to the broadest swath of, of audience. And so they jettisoned some of those side plots and really zeroed in on the dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And to what end, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, because the dancing, dancing in itself is a wonderful thing to have in a musical. Sure. But it also generally serves the plot in right. a way that the dancing here sometimes just felt ornamental. Yeah. Uh, and less integrated into the plot. Well, and, and I feel like there's also, there's dancing that... There's so many different kinds of ways that dancing can enhance a plot. There's the crowd scenes where it's everybody's energetic and everything, but then there's the love scenes that, you know, are more intimate and things like that. Yeah. I don't feel like they understood those different variations of how to utilize dance even. I would agree with you. Yeah. There was a lot of sort of military-influenced dancing, right. a lot of front f- – I mean, all the dancing pretty much was front-facing. Right. Sometimes it was advancing towards the audience. But then some of it reminded me of the – First movie version of West Side Story with the mm. um, Jerome Robbins, right? right yeah, right. choreography that was very balletic. And when I saw that as a child, I thought that was somewhat odd in a movie mm. where they're supposed to be scary and fighting sure. each other. And right. then in the more recent film version of it, I feel like that choreography was much more menacing and threatening while still being gorgeous dancing. Yeah. And I think that Newsies did not thread the needle there as well as that second West Side Story did. Yeah, I think that's what I wanted to see. That's a really good point. It's interesting to me, too, that Jeff Calhoun was involved in Grease, which I feel, I mean, in the production I've seen, I don't know that I saw the production that he directed, mm-hmm. but the choreography in Grease, I think, does have a lot of that more, it utilizes dance in a lot of different ways. It has the big crowd scenes, but then it does have the more intimate or even, you know, three or four people or just the two people. And I don't feel like Newsies really gave you that variety. Yeah, I yeah. would agree with you. I felt like songs like King of New York, catchy and generic enough to be dropped in almost anywhere in any show, benefit from an energetic ensemble and a rousing tap treatment. I think the enduring legacy of the show and the show's biggest asset, as far as I was concerned, is Jeremy Jordan in the Christian Bale role as Jack Cowboy Kelly, leader of the 1899 Newsboys strike. With his heavy brow and dark features, he's basically got resting rebel face, in (laughs) my opinion. He uses that to project implicit threats that he leavens with an otherwise youthful physicality, necessary given that he was nearly 30 when he took on this role. (laughs) 
<laughs> unlike a 17-year-old bail. Uh, and then they filmed it, what, five years later? Yeah. Three years later? Yeah. Right. So his best scenes make use of his wise guy pugnaciousness in contrast to the stuffy people in power, like paper publisher Joseph Pulitzer. His best weapon by far, I think, is his voice. Even saddled with a heavy New York accent, he breaks out with crystal clarity in songs like The World Will Know, Hear his phrasing and occasional leaps into a higher register in Santa Fe. In Santa Fe, where does it say you gotta live and die here? Where does it say a guy can't catch a break? His sincerity sells, almost, the otherwise stagnant something to believe in. If you aren't a believer, you can go to ChasingPhantom.net and check out a clip of Jordan singing at a cabaret night, telling a great heartwarming personal anecdote and sounding amazing live. It's sure to win you over. And now here I am, standing in front of you guys with the courage to play my own songs, with the confidence to just be myself on stage and not be some stupid character. So Caroline, did he win you over? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, His singing obviously is Excellent. I mean, amazing. I, there's nothing I can say about that. Okay. Um, especially in comparison to Christian Bale, who did a great job, <laughs> but is not a singer. Right. I would say yeah. that I found this Jack, and this goes a little bit with the point I was making earlier about community, mm-hmm. uh, that this Jack seemed just very aggressive to everyone. Really? Okay. Uh, except maybe to Crutchy. Hmm. Although he sort of, they changed the lyrics in Santa Fe essentially to say that Crutchy's leg would be healed if he moved to Santa Fe, which I felt like was a very <laughs> aggressive way for Jack to present this plan to his supposed best friend, brother, as they say later. And it just, you didn't write about this on your website, but the dynamic between him and Catherine, mm-hmm. the reporter, was to me just absolutely repulsive. Oh, really? He, wow. Okay. Yeah. He he basically, he just creeps on her from the beginning. I mean, he <laughs> hits on her in the most aggressive way possible when she's, uh-huh. A news reporter. When I found out that they replaced, well, not replaced, but not that Bill Pullman was going to be in the musical, but mm-hmm. that that part was now a woman, I was excited. Right. And then I saw how it was executed. And she is, yeah, they pay some lip service to her doing something, trying to break out of the social pages, mm-hmm. becoming quote unquote real reporter. But all of the ways that she interacts with Jack are, were to me off putting. And I, I think that for me colored the portrayal that Jeremy Jordan has oh, of, interesting. of the Jack character. Okay. And so what did you think? Bale brought that Jordan did not? Well, first of all, there's not, like, he's not interested in the reporter. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so they have this... You can exit that. Yeah, yeah and um, I would have loved to see a woman who is not the love interest mm-hmm. be in the musical and have an important role. But in the movie, he falls for Davy's sister, and they have, because they are more or less of the same class, although Davy's family is portrayed as a bit more middle class, that's not really true, <laughs> sorry, Davy's, <laughs> Davy's family is portrayed as slightly more well-off than Christian Bale's character. Mm-hmm, right. He encounters Davy's sister over dinner, like, in the family home, and they have what is a very genuine exchange where he, she asks him a question because she's curious and shows she's intelligent. Right. Uh, it's not paying lip service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he puts his foot in his mouth, and then they sort of have a laugh and it goes on from there, and it seems to develop quite naturally. And, right. and they have real conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just, uh, it just seemed... He's charming. He's much more charming in the in the movie. Yeah, yeah, he's much more charming and much less much less aggressive and, and right. sort of taking center stage all the time. A lot of... I also noticed a few lines in the play that he says that Davy says in the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, so they, I mean, it's not Jeremy Jordan's fault, but right. they pour a lot of stuff into this character to make him more of a sort of an attention hog and right. broody. Yeah. Which, I don't know, it's not, union leaders to me seem like people who are kind. I mean, to <laughs> right. their fellow union members right. and yeah. not always, you know, 
it's not like there's no corruption in union sure. leaders. But at least you have to start from somewhere, a place of community and not necessarily a place of aggression towards your fellow workers. Right. Well, yeah. And if if you're trying to build that community, it's not through like browbeating them. Right, <laughs> it's right. through like bringing them together as a family and, you know, feeling, give, building that feeling. Right. Yeah. Or sort of lecherousness towards <laughs> female reporters. Yeah. It's one of those things. And I, I you know, on, to be honest, I did not you know, read any of the, any background on the people who adapted the show. But I do wonder if they were looking for a way to project into a theater in a way that, you know, mm-hmm. movie, obviously a more intimate, right. uh, more intimate venue for seeing a, de- a relationship develop. And, you know, on stage, you have to make it bigger, I guess. But that necessarily wasn't the best choice here. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with you. That mm-hmm. has to do with the medium as yeah. well. And it's not as if the screenwriters weren't gifted. I mean, look at who yeah. did the screenplay. Right. Or not the screenplay. The, what's the word I'm looking for? The script. The script. Right, yeah. But I, yeah, I just have <laughs> questions. And why keep, why keep meta if meta yeah. doesn't have a relationship really right. of any kind of genuine quality with yeah. the newsies? Well, and that, that's also one of those things where I wonder if it was a little bit fan service. Like you need to keep the people that people want to see, mm-hmm. but then when you fundamentally change what they're doing, you're not actually keeping them. No. <laughs> it's like bad fan service, really. True. Yeah, yeah, they took this sort of playful, interesting dynamic of Meta, the vaudeville performer, the sort of slightly racy vaudeville performer, right. and in a very, I would say, puritanical American way, took the sex out of the movie mm, yeah. and replaced it with violence and aggression. There's a lot more talk of, I just noticed a lot of lyrics use the word blood. They rhyme mm. with blood. Wow. And, and they march a yeah, lot. Right. Um, and just, it was just, to me, it felt like a very clear swapping of sort of softer human relationships right. that may be more complicated yeah. for one of violence and aggression towards Pulitzer. Hey, baby, I was just talking about you. Now listen, sport, this life's too short to waste it on you. It's interesting. It's a little ironic given that Christian Bale would go on to be (laughs) (laughs) totally associated with very militant, vigilante kind of actions. That's very true. (laughs) Jeremy Jordan is actually a pretty, I don't know, gentle is probably overstating it. But one of the things that he literally just came out in is a movie called Spinning Gold where he plays a record producer. I haven't seen it. Just came out, and uh, so he's been he's been keeping busy, but he hasn't gone exactly down the Batman route. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not a, not a farm team for Batman. Yeah, no. <laughs> but it has been a little bit of farm team for superhero related stuff. So I always try to throw in as many fun facts on my website about these different shows. So there are several superhero connections to Newsies. So Christian Bale is the obvious one, but Jordan did go on to be a co-star on TV's. Supergirl, and the star of Supergirl is an actress named Melissa Benoist, who was in Beautiful, the Carol King music musical, when I saw it on Broadway. And Beautiful ran uh, from 2014 to 2019. It's currently number 28 on the longest-running Broadway production list, with over 2,400 performances. So there are superhero connections there. A hero can be anyone, even a man doing something as simple and reassuring as putting a coat around a young boy's shoulders couple other fun facts I'll throw out to you. There is a awesome filmed version of the live musical, which Caroline watched, did not quite enjoy, but it is out there for people. And they invested in filming it well, That's I would right. say. It, live theater film is not always great, and 
They yeah. did the best they, they could. That's right. Except for other shows like Hamilton, there's really not a lot of high-quality yeah. film productions. So that's good. Jeremy Jordan, in addition to being in Spinning Gold that just came out, uh, would go on from being in Supergirl to being in Waitress on Broadway in 2019 and then also Little Shop of Horrors off-Broadway in 2021 and 22. So he's been keeping busy. He's, I don't want to come across as a Jeremy Jordan hater. He was very good in the last five years, which which I am familiar with and have seen. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I I would never think of you as that, that way. I mean, just because Christian's better doesn't mean that he's... Le- the, <laughs> they're different. Let's they're, say they're different. Okay. My, my gripes are not with Jeremy Jordan, but rather <laughs> with the script. Understandable. So I gave this show a B plus, mostly based on the filmed version of it. Uh, would you like to give your critical appraisal? Uh, I hate grading. But, uh, <laughs> You're a professor. I Come know. On. It's the it's worst your job. Part. It's the worst part of the job. I think that if we had a rubric that was divided into different sections, okay. dancing, A+. Plus. Nice. Or maybe A, if, due to some of the things that we talked about earlier. Right. Feminist reading of the script. I'm mm. going to give that a D. <laughs> a. D minus. Pretty, pretty low. Yeah. And in terms of plot clarity, mm. If I had been a dramaturg on this show, I would have had some things to say about it. And I would say that it, it lost from the movie, and I would probably give it a B minus. Okay. Plot. Yeah. I think that is a fair reading. <laughs> 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 I appreciate your insight and opinions. I think, I think that'll do it. I really appreciate you being here on the first show. I hope that I helped inaugurate this podcast well. You are the reason it is going to be any good. (laughs) I'm just reading my words. (laughs) Thanks, Caroline. Thank you, Dave. This was great. Well, I am very grateful to Dr. Caroline Wiest for lending her perspective and analysis to this conversation about Newsies. She clearly had much more cogent and nuanced thoughts than I did. Here's hoping she's just the first of many guests who will vastly improve this podcast beyond what I'd otherwise be offering. You can see both Newsies the movie and the filmed version of the stage musical on Disney Plus or on YouTube. Even with the quibbles Caroline and I had, I'd say they're both worth checking out. On my next episode, I'll be talking about Big River, the musical with Mark Twain origins that was somewhat amazingly the Broadway debut of John Goodman. That episode will drop in two weeks. In the meantime, I need to tell you that Chasing Phantom is a production of Timber Todd Pods. Please check out our other podcasts, including the intergenerational rhetorical battle royale that is Convince Me I Care, by going to TimberToddPods.com. You can also email me questions, comments, and complaints to TimberToddPods at gmail.com. As I mentioned ad nauseum in the episode, you can check out my website, ChasingPhantom.net, to see this whole series as it unfolds, as well as additional commentary, clips, and pictures. For a navigational tip, when you're on the site, click on the menu item called The List, and you'll find links to every show I've written up so far. The theme music for Chasing Phantom was composed by the young and talented Mason Timberline. I'm David Timberline, and I'll be back with more in two weeks.